In episode 9 of the podcast series Behind the Screen, executive coaches Joella Brookshaw and Julian Sape discuss the relationship between the digital age and human consciousness and the role coaching can play to preserve wholeness and authenticity. So welcome everybody to podcast nine in the series behind the screen. Joe, it's great to see you. How are you doing? I'm good. Looking forward to what I think will be an interesting discussion. It, it will be, I'm sure. And even more so because we are parting slightly from our our usual focus, which is, you know, which always begins with uh, the personality of the leader or our coachees or our guests. And I think we're going to start today by looking at the digital age and, and the zeitgeist of technology and um, entrepreneurship and the effect that this is having on on human consciousness. What is the relationship between this modern day religion, we might call it, and and who we are fundamentally as as human beings, and what is the role of of coaching and coaches uh, in in this particular time? And personally, I I come from a what I would call an old school business background. My business was in hospitality. And, and the original hospitality professionals were uh, very much uh, the sort of, con- or they almost had a concierge role in a in a family. You know, Jeeves, put on a party for me, please. It was a, it was a, it was very service driven, and um, I think the the kind of people that were attracted to hospitality, and I include myself, were uh, people people, and and so. Uh, Whilst I was aware that email and the internet predates the time I was in business, what I what I did what I was aware of post financial crash was a real shift in the way the corporate market procured the services of, of hospitality businesses. Uh, and so, you know, simply put, in the olden days, you'd have a conversation with someone about who they were and what they needed, and you'd listen to them. And you reflect back what they needed, and that made you a good salesperson. And and together you'd create uh, a hospitality solution for for their event or for for their for their marketing agenda. Uh, and what happened post two thousand and nine was uh, everyone became much more preoccupied with the cost of a service uh, as opposed to the essence of what the service was or even the people you're dealing with. So procurement went mad, you know, tender processes, which were always understood over the phone or face to face became digitized. And I personally just became really aware of, of, of how, uh, certainly from coming from the corporate uh, point of view, how, how that engagement changed. And it was really disorientating for me. Uh, and there was never anyone to speak to. Everything was assessed based on metrics and and, and digital and, and reports, etc. So, you know, as as coaches, what do we do in an age that's driving us away from speaking to someone? 
you know, when the when the whole essence of coaching and helping people navigate who they are and, and getting to a better place is based on that conversation. So so my question today is uh you know, where is consciousness in an age where pressing a button for speed efficiency that you know the the amazon uh solution to instant gratification where where is human consciousness amidst all of this efficiency and automation mm. and i you know as you were talking i was thinking well it's a long way back you know it's rather low down the list of importance yeah we've got so much We've got a lot going on inside us, but somehow there seems to be some sort of armour between us inside and what we can do outside, how we can express that. Because it, it's like we've got a bit of a solution to expressing it, but frustratingly just not enough to feel fully self-expressed. And so we go on and we feel we don't have enough space to explore. And, and because that's what's happening everywhere, we accept it as normal. This is the way of things. And turn ourselves inside out to try to accommodate it. It's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it, technology? Because from a human point of view, it, it in so many instances provides a solution to everything that we need. <laughs> But at the same time, as you say, it's conditioning us, it's steering us away from how can we evolve, how can human consciousness evolve, how can we become more enlightened as a species, how can we relate to each other better. Um, there's more division and more conflict in the world, despite the promise of technology that we're all going to be connected. And, and so it's complex. And you know, as we were discussing, history has shown us that we we always gravitate towards uh, a collective. Thomas Bjorkman calls it a collective imaginary. We need, we all need something to sort of gravitate towards to make us feel that we are that we belong. And you know that that took the form of myths and mythology, and and religion, and and then the industrial rev revolution and the work ethic, and, and now this idea that through technology and the corporate machine, we will somehow have everything we need at the speed that we need it. And, it's, yeah. and it is an imaginary because you and I both know that you know, working as coaches, there's so much more that's going on. And I think you said, yeah, I love the way you defined coaching as getting to the bottom of things. <laughs> And of course, technology doesn't really get to the bottom of things in the way that you and I talk about it. It it, it sort of it it wraps things up at high speed very nicely. Yes, and the, and the bottom of things is often a dangerous place to be in an organisation. You know, if you think of the idea of a whistleblower, um, mm, not such a great idea uh, because you can't control the bottom of things. People are not allowed. Organisational cultures are telling people directly and indirectly that they can't speak their mind. And then, of course, ultimately, when you get to the top of an organisation, that's the time when you really do need to speak your mind in order to be able to survive and speak honestly about what's actually happening in order for a business to continue to exist. So it has 
the whole cultural approach does have implications for the existence of organisations. So, so is, is it fair to say that uh, in this digital age, uh, where so much can be achieved in inverted commas through automation and technology, um, that somehow we are being we are not being given the space and opportunity to practice uh, authenticity. Mm, I would say definitely. Yeah, so authenticity is a, is often a bit of a dirty word. You know, I work a lot with people who want help to perform well at an interview. And so often what comes up is I want to be able to be authentic, but being afraid that if they are authentic, that they, they won't give the right messages. And actually, it is quite possible to connect up your sort of internal sense of, of authenticity with the way that you speak to someone else about it. It is possible to do that. But there is a sense that maybe it's not allowed. And that's, that's very sad, really, and has consequences. So let, let's put that in, in the context of this uh, episode, which is about, you know, how is human consciousness being affected by the digitization of things and, and how people relate? And, you know, we were talking about, you know, your archetypal tube carriage during rush hour, where in, in a jam-packed carriage, everyone is looking at their iPhone. It's almost a, a limb. It's, a, it's an attachment to to something that actually isn't present, you know, a, a room full of human beings that are, are, are consciously or unconsciously ignoring each other in favour of the iPhone, which has sort of become an alter ego almost. This is my, this is my relational tool to the world. Yes. I was thinking the other day, what would happen if somebody took my mobile phone away from me? And I think I would find it incredibly difficult at first. But then if you haven't got a mobile phone, then you have to do something else. And that's really, I mean, you know, like in, in the olden days, they didn't have mobile phones. I mean, I didn't have a mobile phone and I was perfectly all right. And that, that resourcefulness in the face of the unexpected is the thing that provides you with resilience and the ability to deal with unexpected things. And, and let's face it, life is pretty unexpected. Uh, I think one of the effects of, of the digital mindset is that that opportunity to find out what happens if things don't go the way you planned or you don't have the convenience that you were expecting, that you can find other ways. And in fact, it can be quite a revelation that there are other ways of doing things. They might not be as efficient um, or you know, user-friendly, but they are, they do get the job done. And they give you a sense of perspective about what actually, well, about what's important. So, so one could say that Amazon and Apple and, and their like have, have 
come up with a solution that that's sort of a, a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it's provided the ultimate solution to the difficulty of the human condition, which is being separate, disconnected, and having to wait for good things to happen. <laughs> you know, in all, in all studies of, of the consciousness of a baby versus what it means to grow up are all around uh, instant gratification and dependency versus delayed gratification. And if it's too uncomfortable to wait for what we need, and Amazon comes up with a whole ecosystem where we can press a button and have what we need, then in some respects, one could say it's it's helping us bypass our biggest challenge. Yes, yes, and, and delaying growing up. I mean, a lot of the reactions that you see in interactions on platform, really, are much more those of frustrated children than thoughtful grown-ups uh, thinking thinking about stuff, reacting, just having a an unpressured conversation. There seems to be a lot of more limited kind of interaction, which is a lot about right and wrong and black and white, not conversation that encourages more thought and, and maturity, really. I mean, I think I I think it's fair to say that we we are so conditioned by the, this new world that we live in that we we put on a pedestal and we revere and and I know people will shout me down on this. We we revere the level of innovation and creativity that's produced the technology that we have, but we have forgotten about our potential and our ability and need, in fact, to deal with real human potential, which is, you know, the ability to navigate uncertainty, to sit with discomfort, to to wait without what knowing what's going to happen next. And and all all those dimensions which are part of our sort of whole intelligence are, I would say, are, are being neglected and undeveloped. But it's very hard to 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 challenge that when the the innovation and the progress that we've made around technology is so revered that these soft skills, as they're often called, as if they're the sort of the poor relation to what really matters, are you know as seen as as unnecessary actually. Yes, yes. There's an assumption that you can manage without all that, and it is very um, numbers driven, and I I can, and quite scientific, in that way. Um, sort of logical thinking and following the numbers it's yeah it's it's really valuable to be able to do that you know as I've learned as I've got older <laughs> I can't dismiss these things I, I have to accept that these are part of life but equally that difficulty about the, the, the tech mindset is inclined to forget is the unexpectedness of human beings, the emotional, what what they perhaps regard as being wishy-washy and vague. And I get it about the not being scientific in your thinking. Critical thinking is really important, but having a there doesn't seem to be an easy way of respecting that part of us that that is about 
emerging reality in the moment. There's not the space for it. I agree. There's, there's a big blind spot uh, for that generation of, of tech entrepreneurs and, and having advised them uh, as an investor, but also working with them as a coach, it's clear to see that they are tunnel vision in terms of their commercial aspiration, in terms of what this opportunity could be worth. You know, the whole, the whole narrative is about valuation. And and that has evolved out of you know Facebook and and LinkedIn and all these platforms being the the demigods of our age and their huge value and and we all need we all, we all need heroes to aspire to and I, and I think you know Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos have become and Steve Jobs have become the role models for young people but but there there but there is a blind spot and that is alongside uh, determination and aspiration and 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 innovation around technology, you also need the know-how of how to relate to people and build, you can't build a successful business unless you know how to relate to people and how to generate uh, a strong people culture. And there's there's sort of an assumption, the, the word on the street is, you know, this is what my business is worth, uh, given that I've raised so much money from investors in brackets, who uh, can actually afford to lose that money anyway, <laughs> so it doesn't necessarily validate what you're doing. That underpinning all of that, what it, what is the what is the real substance of your your business, and and you know that it that it can't be valued only on its on its metrics and on its aspiration, but what is happening today that that justifies its its existence? Yes, it's it's a. Uh... It's a sorry situation, really. And I suppose the fact that it's a blind spot is actually quite scary. And that the people who do notice it, people like Tristan Harris from Google, he, or was it Facebook? I mean, when he was made the head of ethics, got sacked because he was having too many ethical thoughts. Yes, and that that really... Well, it isn't working. It's seriously not working. And there are there are a lot of casualties of this system. You know, teenage suicide, all kinds of outcomes that really don't serve us. I mean, the irony is that the sort of scientific divide of the sort of critical thinkers who work out how to maximise the benefits of understanding the numbers for these, these uh, platforms are actually, they, they hate any sort of what they call magical thinking. But the reality is they've created a perfect place for magical thinking to happen. There's no critical thinking. People don't ask questions about, yeah, well, if this is free, then, and I'm the product, what's happening to my information? What could happen if I do these things? If I sign this, if I allow this? Yeah, it's a bit of a ghastly scenario, isn't it? Really, we're painting here. Yeah, and and the other question is is you know one could say there are multiple blind spots because on the one hand I'm saying your typical uh, millennial tech entrepreneur is blind to the fact that actually being human and the interpersonal fundamentally is going to be your your greatest opportunity. And that gets overlooked in the narrative of, of valuation. But then at, at the other end of the spectrum, you know, we've got this sort of multi-generational workplace at the at the top end, you know, the, the the older guard 
who are being told you're you're behind the times. You know, this is this is how we think, this is how we do things. And if your organization, I think I think Paul Hamlin said this in our previous podcast, you know, if your organization isn't well on the roads on a sort of digital transformation program, your business will not survive. Mm. Well, we do need that technology. Uh, you know, we do need it. But the question is, what do we need to do to counter it? And I think it, it's a very, very difficult question to deal with. Nobody, no one's come up with clear solutions yet. And I was also thinking about this idea of user experience and real experience. And, you know, we discussed this and, and, and you rightly said, you know, user experience is very much, you know, UX is, is a sort of business genre. Is my customer's experience of my product good enough to help me beat the competition, basically? Because experience is experience. More enlightened view would say the true experience is what you experience is what you experience. And, and not to attach a label to it, good or bad. Mm. And not to commoditize it, which is what, what's being done. Exactly. And I think, I think to your point about mental health is if innovation and technology are showing us that experience can be perfected to the point that it never lets us down, then what does that say about our internal landscape? You know, the fact that a product or a, a system can become so evolved, so refined that my relationship with it never fails. How does that teach us and allow us to navigate, you know, our own internal world of, of which is, of course, is, is in some respects quite chaotic and unpredictable? Oh, yes. And, yes. And I mean, you know, learning to tolerate um, your experience if we naturally sort of get annoyed, if we don't have a good user experience, then that can jump across to having very high standards for our experiences. And of course, if you can't generate your own user experiences uh, and accept them, then you're limiting yourself. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that mental health has, ex you know, mental health problems have exploded in in recent months and years it, it's yeah it's very sad really so the inspiring thing is uh and and to use your point about you know what what is the what is the counter approach to all of this is is that the space that you and i work in which is the developmental space which is the space of self-reflection and observing what is real and building rapport in a conversation and understanding what's going on for the whole human being, not just their, you know, how high are their levels of innovation. But, you know, coaching speaks to the language of, of not just the mind, but the heart and the gut and that whole somatic approach, which, you know, we both find really fascinating, is that is the gateway to the intuition that will help us make good decisions and the wisdom that will enlighten us and make the world a better place. And so one could argue that this is a great time to sort of wave the flag uh, of this work. And, you know, we were also talking about coaching doesn't necessarily have to be associated with the executive space or the sports arena. And it's not only about results, but it's about its promise, which is creating safety within and having a better dialogue and managing conflict better in between people. Yeah. 
And I think actually it's quite interesting, actually, as you were talking, I was thinking, gosh, I think one of the things that coaching does that's so very important is that it inquires into where people are right now. Uh, and in fact, if you think about it, that will provide the ultimate user experience for someone <laughs> that actually gives them a, a place to start from. And we all, we all need to know that where we are is a fine place to be. And to be able to see through drawing it, through having it drawn out of us, what it is that our next step needs to be. And it doesn't need to be any more than that, but to be able to stay with someone where they are and then move with them when they're ready to the next space can be totally mind-blowing for the person who experiences it and life-changing to just be, you know, have where you are acknowledged by another person. And as, as you said all of that, I felt very, uh, I suddenly felt myself being led off the hook by making a, a sort of future success of this podcast conversation that it was just okay to, to be here and have this conversation. And, you know, I, 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 I wonder how our obsession with the future and the outcome and the results is really creating a disconnection between what's really happening and that it's okay to be where we are versus where you sh where you should be or where you think you should be and that's what that's always been a tension uh in in life i think that that's a theme that goes goes back a long way but it, but it's it's being accentuated and again as you say if only if you can only receive that validation from uh, the external world through likes on social media about what you've achieved, who is validating where you are right now? Mm. Yeah, and that's where you learn to deal with uh, your mental confusion. It, you know, it allows you to just relax and become resourceful. And ultimately, that's what we all want. So I've, I've loved this conversation and uh, just sort of challenging ourselves and, and the zeitgeist and this question of sort of technology and, you know, has technology truly enhanced who we are or has it stolen our opportunity for enlightenment and growing up and being more evolved as people? Um, it's so interesting and I, I feel as we always do that we need to bring someone else into this conversation for our next episode which will be episode 10 can you believe it and um, you know someone who you know straddles both camps in a way someone who is involved in the world of technology but also works as a coach and we'll have to go away and rack our brains and come up with someone that, that fits that profile and, and continue this conversation Yes, yeah, so it'll be an interesting mix of extremes, different positions. That'll be very interesting. Okay, well, I'm up for that. Let's do it. Looking forward to it, Joe.